The air we breathe, the water we drink, the soil that grows food for our families. These basic elements are essential to healthy, happy lives. America's corn growers think so too. Across the country, they're pitching in every day and doing the work to produce food and fuel that is healthy in a sustainable way. Go to ncga.com to learn more about how corn farmers grow a more sustainable future for us all. That's ncga.com. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, DGen Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast. As usual, the pod is sponsored by Draft.com. Join Draft right now using promo code DGen and get a free $3 ticket of a free $3 free $3 ticket of your choice for any tournament with a minimum deposit of $10. If you crush your season-long NFL league with a snake draft, this site is for you. And it's really getting rolling there on uh, draft.com right now with these FedEx Cup playoffs coming soon. They have a FedEx Cup playoff challenge where you pick five golfers at the beginning of the playoffs, and those are your five golfers for all three weeks, and they count the score each week. Big money prizes in that. They also have the NFL here coming up soon. Huge money prizes. You're looking at a million-dollar first prize best ball tournament on draft.com. So if you're not a member yet, go and check it out. Just make that minimum deposit of $10. Use that $3 coupon to test it out. If you don't like it, go ahead and withdraw. But if you, it's nothing to lose. If you do like it, keep going. The site is awesome. Make sure you check out draft.com using promo code DGEN. As usual, I'm here with my partner in crime, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good, Kenny. Another fun week, man. I'm, I'm sucked. It sucks. I'm pissed the majors are over, man. We gotta wait a whole another seven and a half or whatever months it is now to get back to the Masters. But great, crazy event, and you know, seeing Lowry do that thing up and almost like the Tiger at the Tour Championship with everybody following up the the 18th green, you know, up to the 18th green was just incredible to see that uh, for the Open in Ireland. Yeah, I mean, it was a great, great event. Uh, I mean, honestly, if you look back at the event, I think I think Lowry won it on the back nine on Saturday and the first couple of holes on Sunday. His shot on ten on Saturday was one of the greatest shots 
I've personally ever witnessed in that type of situation. I mean, he was up on a mound on the left side in the rough, uh, had, you know, 180, 190, somewhere around that. And it was, the green on 10 is crazy undulating with like mad different slopes. But if you can somehow get it on the left side of that green and get it over the second mound, the ball just flows right to the pin. And to have that type of accuracy from the rough on that type of shot, where if you guys didn't see it, I mean, Lowry hit this approach and it went over the first mound, went over the slowly, went over the second mound and just started gradually going towards the pin, left himself a 15-footer. He made the birdie putt. If he didn't make the birdie putt, it wouldn't be that big. It'd be like, you know, those crossover videos where the dude falls down after getting crossed up, and then the guy doesn't make the jumper. You'd never see those videos. So he had to make the putt. He made that putt, uh, made birdie again at 12, saved par on 11 and 13, both pretty difficult pars to save, and then he just went ham. Uh, for the rest of the back nine, I think he had four or five more birdies to end the round to give him a four-stroke lead. But then you go into Sunday. First hole, you know Lowry's feeling the jitters. You know he's nervous on that first tee. And so, you know, he he he, he pulls it left uh, into the rough, leaves himself about a 10-foot bogey putt, while Fleetwood has like an 8-foot birdie putt. So if Fleetwood makes and Lowry misses, it's a one-stroke lead after the first hole. Totally different tournament. It'll change the whole outcome, the whole, you know, the way the tournament is going to be played the rest of the time by Shane Lowry. Uh, but, you know, Fleetwood just can't make a putt on Sundays at big tournaments. And, and he missed that putt. He missed another birdie on um, on the second hole. And after that, it was basically over. Uh, Lowry kept that lead. The weather started picking up, and the weather was brutal uh, <clears throat> first three days we didn't see that awful of weather but that sunday was open weather justin thomas said it was the worst weather he'd ever played golf in before in his career so i mean it got to a lot of people i mean if you look my cash lineup somehow i this is how much carnage there was uh this past week my cash lineup uh, uh i had three or four of my cash game cornerstones make it but I had two miscuts total, so I only had four of six. The four golfers I had left on Sunday shot a combined 19 over par, still easily cashed. Like, I, 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 it shouldn't have happened. It was such a wild, wild tournament. Good for Shane Lowry. Uh, I'll talk more about it, but what did you think about the event? Pretty solid. Uh, you talked about some of the things there that, you know, just, you know, the Fleetwood. I was kind of dead wrong on Fleetwood. Um, someone pointed out on Twitter that when you and I did our, our start of the season recap of, or I guess not recap, but our sort of forecast for what the year is going to be, that I had Fleetwood as the winner here. Uh, and then last week, I just let that $9,700 price tag dictate everything. And we'll talk about that here in a bit more. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Good for Tommy. He did what we said, you know, what I said. He, he would have one bad round. It was just too little, too late, and he'd already done too much damage in the first three rounds. And like you said, multiple times on Sunday, everyone's going to talk about Brooks putter, but, I mean, that's called regression. The guy the guy is, you know, the best was that I kept seeing was people say, well, you want to complain about Brooks putter, but forget about all the other majors where his putter's been on fire. He's a great putter, but, I mean, it was bound to happen where he's going to miss some. Tita Green still looks solid, though, and, again, we'll talk about him this week too. But Fleetwood, man, there was one point, too, he had an eagle try, and I think Lowry had a par putt left. And it was like, man, like the, what could have been for Fleetwood if he could just figure out those greens on Sunday? Uh, would have been a whole different story because we all know how, how mental the game is. 
And if that had happened or certain scenarios like that, it definitely changes stuff. You know, butterfly effect or not, whatever you want to call it, something different happens. It changes how the other person thinks. And Lowry definitely could have made some mistakes from there on out. There was some rocky moments. Um, props to Finau. You know, he, he kept it going. We talked about him on the pod last week, the sneaky links prowess at the Opens. He'd had three good results, and he does it again with a third place, gets sort of back into form a little bit. Then there was just a lot of guys that whatever, right? Like the Norins, the the Bobby Max, the Lee Westwoods, like all these guys that just sort of crept out of the dust and showed up and grinded their way because the weather did show up. You know, Molinari on Sunday had a crazy round. I know he got out extra early, but, I mean, that, that was pretty solid for him. Other than that, I uh, can't say much more. Like I said, the, the Lowry win, we'll wait and see what he does here. I, I don't know. Like to, to this point, he hasn't withdrawn yet. So maybe he is going to come over and say, forget it. Who cares? Worst that can happen is I come dead last or withdraw after first round and collect my paycheck. But he might still be drunk by the time he gets over to, uh, you know, into Memphis, Tennessee and gets ready for this event. What do you think? Yeah, it was pretty hilarious. After he won, uh, he said that, uh, you know, somebody asked him, what are you going to do now? He's like, I'm going to drive down to Dublin. And I'm going to fucking party. <laughs> That's basically what he said. Amazing. And you saw the video of him. You saw the video of him singing. Uh, it was great for the, 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 the island of Ireland. I mean, you, you think you look at the uh, the coverage on Sunday, especially when you see all these Irish flags flying in the crowd in Northern Ireland. You know, it wasn't that long, t- long ago where if you flew an Irish flag in Northern Ireland, it probably wouldn't have worked out too well for you. Uh, you know, so I, I mean, it brought the country together. Uh, it was a great moment for uh, Ireland, Northern Ireland, all the people, all the Irish people that there are, and to come out that clutch was 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 really really big for Shane Lowry. Uh, it was going back to Fleetwood. I, I looked up some of his stats. Um, now this doesn't include last year's U.S. Open because there wasn't Stokes gain stats, uh, and he did crush in the final round of last year's U.S. Open, but. He's only gained strokes putting in two final rounds in 14 big-time events in his career. I'm talking about WGC uh, Players' Championship majors and the Tour Championship. Uh, in those events, he's played 14 of those events uh, that had shot tracker, that had strokes gained stats. He played, He's played more, but a lot of them didn't have strokes gained stats, so you can't really know. But he's only gained strokes putting on Sunday in two of those 14 events. Um, so it says something about Fleetwood when it comes down to Sunday. He's just not there uh, quite yet, uh, you know, and, and that, that's his issue. Uh, can he get a win? I think he's the only golfer inside the top 20 without a PGA Tour win. Um, so something's got to give. I mean, it's either going to go one way or the other. And, you know, I thought for sure Fleetwood was going to win an event here sometime this year, but it passed up. And he's not the youngest guy in the world. I mean, he's not old. But he is, I think, reaching his 30s here or even in his 30s. I'm not sure. He's late 20s, early 30s right now. I mean, his window is closing. He needs to sort of step up his game when it comes to Sunday, do something um, to get that putter going and get pressure off of him on Sundays because, I mean, he's so good tee to green. And then on Sundays, he just blows it. And it's really sad to watch for a guy of his skill level and a guy that everyone likes and that wants to him to win. Uh, so, uh, yeah, tough for him uh, this past week because, you know, uh, if Lowry didn't do what he did, he would have won again. So, uh, yeah, I feel bad for Fleetwood. Hopefully he can get out of this final round type funk when it comes to putting. Because it, that first birdie putt wasn't even, was an eight-footer and it, it missed the cup by like two, three inches. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's nerves, really, in my opinion. For that's sure. Not, that's not just, that's not like skill level. That's nerves. And that's playing a big part, I think, into his Sunday struggles. Um, other other things that happened this past week, I mean, you, you look at uh, the weather. I mean, in the early morning forecast, I mean, like, 
if you stacked early tee times uh, and had Lowry in your uh, in your final round showdown and and had like three thousand to four thousand under the cap, you probably would have won. Uh, so, I mean, that's something to take a peek at, definitely, when it comes to um, showdown play. I mean, even if the guys are really far back um, on a Sunday, if the weather's going to be like that, uh, you got to sort of go different. And, of course, I only made one lineup just for shits and giggles on Sunday, and my my lineup went like 32 over par or something like that <laughs> uh, for, for the whole round uh, because, I, I you know, I played guys that were like six – five, six, seven under and above because, you know, you're playing for that, for that, for those position points. Sometimes I had a couple of guys down low, but it, it, they, they didn't really perform. So that was a big thing about Sunday. Uh, personally for me overall for the week, it was a good week. Uh, 25% return on investment uh, after losing the last couple of weeks and losing the last two majors. Uh, it's nice to get back on the winning track cash game. Cornerstones did. Okay. Three out of four, Adam Scott changed the putter. Had no idea that was going to happen. Made me angry. I'm definitely going to keep a close eye on any type of reports I see on which type of putter uh, that he's using this week. Now, he says that he uses a short putter for windier conditions. Um, Well, he didn't really play in any windy conditions because he didn't play the weekend. Uh, So uh, maybe this week he goes back to the long putter, gets back in form. I also had a, a pretty decent GPP week. I had one lineup in like the top 300 uh, in the huge $4 that won me like 50 or 60 bucks that really, you know, up my, my GPP amount. I still lost overall uh, in GPPs, but not as much as I have been for the whole year. Uh, and then let's talk about Ben Coley. Uh, of course, Ben was our guest last week, um, it, you know, in his write-up, and he talked about Lowry specifically very long on the pond. So hopefully a lot of you listeners took his advice and used Lowry because that was a huge help because he was only about five to 6% owned, but he also had Fleetwood uh, in his write-up. He talked about all these guys. He he talked about Bobby McIntyre back there. Um, You know, he talked about Romain Langaske, even though he really fell apart on Sunday, that really was sort of the norm for most of the players. So great week by Ben, really good guest to have that week. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the pod last week and won a little bit of money uh, because he was on point. Uh, Tambo, how did you do this past week? Crazy, man. It was another uh, another milli sweat. So proud of myself on the season. It was my my second top 16 and in, in the, there's only four millies on the year. So uh, 14th at the Masters where, you know, Brooks and Molinari, two studs that never make mistakes, basically both go in the water and Tiger comes from behind to win. That really screwed me there. And then this Sunday had a real sweat going down to the wire, like a, a unique lineup. Real solid group of guys. It just had to work out with the way the tee times were that I got most of them out early. And then my guys that I had late were Ricky, who I didn't mind chasing in the in the weather, and then Lowry. And it went like, there was like a five-minute period. You even texted me. We were talking, and I was talking with Gup and the boys and everybody. And they were like, damn, that five minutes just sucked. And it was like Ricky double, JT triple on 17, uh, Fino and Reed each bogeyed, which was right near the end of the round. I was just trying to get them in the house clean. I'll go through it in one second. And then Stenson, the guy who's like the approach king, all of a sudden has a shank worse than I've had on the golf course and snaps his club and bogey bogey to finish. So 16th in the Millie Maker, I needed top 12 to break even on the week because my 555 and 333 buy-in, so still down slightly, but this is the type of week when I say, you know, and, and everybody out in the industry says GPP life. That's the type of week. Like it's literally 15 guys away 
in 178,000 person field from the million dollars. Uh, legit sweat, you know, down to the wire, even without Westwood, because Westwood was, was crippling apart. And if you look, Stenson went bogey, bogey finish. He would have been T11. I know it's all what ifs, but he would have been T11 with all those other guys like Rom and whatever. JT triple would have been fourth with Westwood. Finau finished third. I had Lowry the winner. Ricky's double. He would have been with Finau tied for third. So I essentially would have had first, third, third, sixth, 11th, 11th. And it would have been, you know, at least a top five in my eyes, even if Westwood stayed ahead and didn't cripple up a bit more. So sucks to go that way. But on the season to have two uh, solid finishes in the top 16, the first at the Masters was out of 228,000. This one was out of 178,000. 14th and 16th. And then even in the $100 one, I got one up to 105th. Uh, good season all around in it, but it's not enough, right? It's like the Ricky Fowler of DK Millie Makers. You know, it's it's good. Sixth place is good, Ricky, but it's not good enough. But you need to do a lot more to get that W and get that trophy. So uh, hoping for a better time next year, but there's still a lot of good tournaments coming up to end the year. And I, I feel like last time after that happened, I had a pretty good run of tournaments with uh, some big scores. So I'm hoping that happens again here, Kenny. Yeah, the, the cool thing is what DraftKings did this week is there's some big money tournaments yeah. uh, out there. They're trying to play out uh, for all the fans that, you know, all the casual fans that played last week, maybe for the first time or just for the mains, just trying to bring them back, which I do think is smart. Uh, I mean, there's that $10 contest for like uh, 250K or something like that, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, it's 200, I mean, 200K up top with 100 to second yeah. and less than 100,000 people, which it's still a huge field. I get that. The one that I like, though, and not not saying everyone that listens to it will play this high, but um, there's been a lot of talk about the structures and they changed the 555 this week to really have a much better payout structure where they're only paying the top 18%, but about that. It's like 181 out of 1,001. Uh, and they're using that money to balance out the top. So it's like 100, 60, 50, 40, 30, 20, 25. And it's really a, a strong payout structure so that you don't get as screwed if you you know come up short and come in 10th. It doesn't feel like you came in 100th instead of that. So uh, I'm happy they're listening a little bit. I think that's sort of the thing. I mean, you're a big cash game player and you get this. But in a GPP, like I don't need them to pay out 25%. If you just to get, you know, one and a half times my money back, you're playing a GPP to win. Therefore, it should be a little bit top heavier, but it should still be fair to the guy that comes in, you know, like me at 16th in the in the Millie Maker out of 178,000 is three grand. Uh, you know, that's yeah. the that's the amount that you bought in for in 150 lineups. But I mean, that's 16 out of 178,000. You know, that could easily be. I think when someone broke it down, it could have been like 10 to 12,000 if they did a little bit more balanced structure. And I know they got to have the million up top, but you can take money from the back end. You can split it up a little bit. Cash is where you go to play double up and you play the top 50% or whatever win. If you want to play GPPs, you got to know, you got to try and come. I wish they'd do top 15% in GPPs and just balance it out from there. It's a good step in the right direction though. Yeah. I mean, uh, when it comes to cash, I'll let you all know right now, this this coming up event, uh, the WGC FedEx St. Jude, there is no cut. So there will be no cash game cornerstones this week. I'll still play cash, uh, but uh, I, I, I'm I, playing less. I'm 0-2 in uh, my cash lineups for this year. Uh, the so, No, the uh, Tournament of Champions and the and WGC Mexico. Uh, I, I lost both of those weeks. So, I mean, I, I – it's a different type of setup when it comes to cash in this in the, in these no cut event fields. You can get a little bit more aggressive. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily take the must stay under ten grand rule that I have. I mean, I could see going out there and 
putting Rory out there or JT out there because you're going to get points and all six guys in the field are going to play all four rounds, hopefully. Um, now, of course, there is going to be some talk about jet lag and guys really, you know, any type of motivation. But you got to remember, we're coming up to the end of the year. First off, this is a huge event coming up. It's a WGC event. It's a prestigious event. Guys are going to want to win this event. They're going to want to play uh, here and do well. I don't think we're going to see cases where, you know, maybe somebody's going to take a week off and just, I mean, it could happen. We have no idea. So in my opinion, play the best golfers. Don't worry about what you think is going to happen or how a golfer is going to react coming out to this type of field uh, right after a major it's too hard to judge. This is too big of a tournament. And there's only about five events left for the FedEx Cup playoffs. And I know people, you know, bury the FedEx Cup playoffs throughout the whole year. They're like, oh, the FedEx Cup standings came up. Who cares? Well, I mean, it's getting down to the nitty gritty now. $10 million is not something to sneeze at. Uh, so these guys up top are going to want to do well. They're going to want to get their rankings up because you got to do remember when it comes to the tour championship now that, you know, if you're in the lead, you get strokes. You know, that's how it goes. Like if you if you're win if you're first place in the FedEx Cup standings going into the tour championship, you get like a two stroke advantage on second place. So I mean, getting up there in the rankings is big. I wouldn't put any merit into that whole after major letdown type deal. I mean, it could happen, but I wouldn't put any merit in it. There's no way to judge it. Just go out there, pick your golfers, play your favorites, and do your thing this week. Um Tampa, anything to add on that before we get into the listener league winner last week? No, you know, you know the point that I was sort of thinking, and that's the thing with uh, this tournament. It's a WGC big trophy on the line, one point eight four five million up top this week, and five hundred fifty FedEx Cup points. So, like you said, people want to dog it all year. I get it. A, they're a sponsor, so you know, no different than us talking about our sponsors on this pod. That's something they, they're required to go through. Two. It does mean something at the end of the year, and especially with that staggered score, I think it's going to be a bigger factor, and we'll talk about it when we get into this week. All right, so before we get into everything, let's talk about our Listener League winner uh, last year, Tonkmeister5. I think I've seen him up here before. Uh, this might not be his first win. Um, so solid by Tonkmeister5, 440.5 total points. He had John Rom, who finished 11th, uh, who was 7% owned. He had Patrick Cantlay, who finished um, – where was it? 41st after a pretty disappointing Sunday, uh, almost 30% owned. He had the Iceman Stenson who snapped his club over his head and almost snapped it over his neck. That would have been amazing if he did that. Uh, he was 50% owned, um, finished in 20th place. And his last two bogeys really hurt me as well because I had him in one and done uh, this past week. And uh, those two birdies dropped me 10 spots from 35th to 45th. Uh, if you if you just par those two bogeys, if you just parred them both, I would be inside the top thirty. So that sort of hurt. And also, there will be no more uh, one and done picks by me for the rest of the year as well, uh, just because I'm getting so close to the end and I'm in the money. Uh, his fourth golfer was Matthew Fitzpatrick, who finished in twentieth, fifteen point five percent owned. He had Shane Lowry, thirteen point five percent owned in the listener league. That's almost two and a half times what he was in normal GPP. So Ben probably made a little bit of a difference uh, there on that one. Finished in first place, of course, and he had Lucas Glover finishing in twentieth at sixty-seven point five points uh, with three point five percent ownership. Tambo, what you think of the lineup? 
Three, three guys I loved, and one of them did really well in Lowry. So, you know, like you, you mentioned it, Ben talked about Lowry. I had Lowry over McDowell as one of my T3POs. So I think, you know, if they were listening to this, that was one of the plays that I loved and, and that I thought was the right price and, the, and was getting sort of shunned as the Irish guy that wasn't getting any talk because he's not really Northern Ireland. But either way, you know, it, it showed in the end, and that's great, 124 and a half points. Of the 440, that that might be the craziest percentage where one golfer is taking up that many points of what our winner of our listener league is. 124 and a half out of 440.5 from just the winner in Shane Lowry. That's pretty sick. Uh, loved Lucas Lover. Thought he was a pretty good sleeper uh, at his price. So, you know, three and a half percent. That was awesome. Also loved Cantlay. Wasn't big. Rom and Fleetwood were the two that screwed me. He didn't have Fleetwood here, but Rom, just to mention it, was another guy that I just... Didn't think would do it because of, you know, we talked about him playing in some of the easier conditions at those Irish Opens that he'd won. Uh, and he still showed up. Like, imagine if he hadn't went crazy on Sunday, Talkmeister would have blew the field out by even more. So props to him, you know, almost a 15-point win here. And we'll see him in the three-man this week, which Kenny won again, by the way. Again, I won again. I won again. I know. One thing about Ron that I did notice before we move on. You know, he started off really awful on that on that front nine. Uh, you know, first couple of holes, I think he went OB on the first hole or something like that. Uh, went like double, went like on double. Sunday, yeah, on Sunday, right? They oh, yeah, all, all over the map early on Sunday, yeah, yeah, you're right. And the thing is, like, looking at him throughout the rest of the round, it really didn't look like that that angry, you know, Hulk Rom was there. He sort of took it in stride. He realized what was happening, he realized the weather, he realized he couldn't really control a lot of it. Um, and that was, I thought that was good for him. Uh, it Great. looked like, yeah. you know, by, by, by the, the final round on 18, uh, you know, he was smiling, shaking his partner's hand. Uh, the anger wasn't there. Maybe he really is trying to get better at that part of his game. And it looked like it showed uh, a little bit on Sunday, even though he didn't play uh, the greatest. Because after but the thing is, after those first few holes, he wasn't horrible. Um, you know, right. so, he still finished so, T11, like you said, and I did see that. It's funny you bring that up. It was a, the shot where he went into the bunker and didn't get out of the bunker. He hit it went right, and it went right back in. And I was just thinking at my, at my house, I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. And he was fine. He, he yeah. stepped back, looked up and over and said, okay, is what is, went right back and clicked it out. Uh, and then I think we talked about it on the pod before earlier in the year, but they said he was talking to like bomb diffuser guys and trying to get his head straight on like how he can stay more calm in tough situations. Because he really is working on it. People forget how young he is sometimes. Uh, man, what a great finish for him to still finish T11th. And it was funny you brought that up because I did see the same thing on that one shot that I mentioned. So good for him and, and way to come around and still finish in T11. A third at the U.S. Open as well. So good good run for him at majors right now. Just not getting the job done completely. But we'll talk about him this week as well. Well, I mean, you think about Rom and how well he's how poor how poor he did early on in his career in majors, but the last four he's been pretty solid. Uh, mm-hmm. It could be his turn here soon. Augusta's count, calling his name. I mean, the long guy, um, you know, plenty of strength off the tee. That could be his time. I think you know it, next year. You know, it, those future bets Rom should be on a couple of your cards uh, for the majors, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. So before we get into the course, let's talk about gupscorner.com. Uh, Gups Corner, uh, use promo code DGEN10. Get 10% off a subscription to the best uh, golf DFS site and betting site and football DFS and football betting site there is. These guys out there put in a ton of work. Gup, Bucks, Tambo, all these guys are on their site put out great information that you need. They win a lot of money. Uh, like I said a couple weeks ago, Gups went back to back 
back-to-back uh, win- winners outrights uh, but right before the Open Championship. He's had back-to-back first-round leaders uh, this year earlier in the past. I think he's won. Uh, he's hit about, what, six, seven, eight outrights this year. That's crazy. Like, if you if you gamble on golf every week and hitting that many outrights and only making, like, four, four to six bets, seven bets a week, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so you need to go on the site. Use promo code DGEN10. You get yourself, you know, all his his rankings, his ownership percentages, uh, Tambo's great weekly article, uh, Buck's course description. Uh, you get a uh, one, of the, one of those lineup generator. You get all that good stuff for golf. And the football season is coming up soon. And these guys are great at football betting and DFS. And the thing is, if you sign up for a one-year membership right now, it's 365 days from the day you start. So you'll get all the majors for next year. You'll get the whole uh, NFL season. It's worth it. Use promo code DGEN10. Save 10% on your subscription. All right, so let's move to the course for this week. Uh, the PGA Tour heads to Memphis, Tennessee for the WGC FedEx St. Jude Classic. Uh, TPC Southwind is a 7,239-yard par 70 course with four par threes and two reachable par fives. This course is routinely one of the 15 most difficult courses on tour each year. The back nine is especially rough as the par 5 16th is the only hole that plays under par. The par 3 14th hole is always in the mix for the most difficult par 3 on tour. And the final two holes, 17 and 18, are incredibly hard. On average, there are over 200 bogeys or worse on the final two holes every time this tournament comes to this event. Uh, so if you guys got, you know, sweat cuts going in on Friday, going into the last two yeah. holes, good luck because it's going to be tough. Uh, off the tee, golfers will face narrow fairways that are very difficult to hit. If golfers miss the fairway, which they will, they will have to deal with some trees, bunker, bunkers, and a good amount of water. Speaking of water, even though it's only in play on about 10 holes, more balls have found the water here at TPC Southwind than any other course on tour since 2003. TPC Sawgrass is the next closest, and it still has about 1,400 less water balls than TPC Southwind, and and, and that's crazy. Uh, Now, that number should adjust since now this is only a 64-man field with no cut, but still, that's crazy amount of water balls on this course, so expect that this week. Now, luckily, the rough is not too thick, but it is Bermuda uh, rough. So it could lead to jumpers, and it's hard to judge distance uh, off Bermuda grass. But it's not too thick, and it's not too tall. Um, So, you know, both supremely accurate golfers and golfers who hit in a mile but don't miss too wildly uh, might have a little bit of an advantage. On approach shots, golfers will see smaller than average greens with bunkers and water surrounding them. There are a lot of long par fours on this course, and nearly half of all approach shots come from the 150 to 200-yard range. So finding golfers with good mid-iron games will be important. The greens are tough to hit. I think it's somewhere like 53%. I could be wrong. That could be the fairway percentage, but it's a very tough to hit these greens uh, at TPC Southwind. And the greens themselves use Bermuda grass. They're undulating, they're firm, and they're usually quick with a stint meter rating of around 12, maybe 11.5 to 12. Now, weather can also play a factor as it usually is very hot and humid in Memphis this time of year, and many storms can just pop out 
of nowhere. Uh, as of now, it looks like the weather will not be too much of a factor with no rain or heavy winds in the forecast, but it will be hot and humid. Uh, now, we all know how incorrect weather forecasters can be, so check the weather on Wednesday night to see if there will be any advantages of playing golfers in either in either way. Uh, Tambo, what are you looking for in golfers this week? Yeah, so luckily there'll be no cut sweats, like you said, because there is no cut here. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's it's good. You're you're right. It's still going to be scary, though, and it does bring some factors into play because obviously regardless of what happens with no cut or not, you know, barring withdrawals, you still need to make sure you got the guys that stay on point, good all-around game, and stay, you know, as far as scoring goes, stay on board with what they're doing. So uh, that is definitely a worry. You talked about all the water balls. If Ricky was here, it'd be an auto fade just based on that. But luckily, he's uh, one of the four out of the top 50 that have decided not to join the party with uh, Tiger, Molinari, Fowler, and Weisberger. Um, but yeah, so a couple stats big for me this week. Uh, one of them is going to be approach for sure. Like you said, you talked about it. The greens and fairways are both a little bit harder to hit. So I still want some tee to green. Really like, uh, you know, looking at approach here. In a non-cut event, we always want the scoring. We saw DJ put up a, a huge number last year at minus 19. Even the regular years at this course are sort of averaging minus 13. So birdies are better, DK points. Because they're not hitting the green as much, I want a little bit of scrambling. Uh, and then lastly, they say there'll be a little bit of rain leading up beforehand, before the tournament even kicks off, which may make it a little bit more firm, a little bit faster, you know, dry out a little bit beforehand. So I kind of want that 150 to 200 range with a slight lean on the 150 to 175 proximity. All right, that sounds good. Let's get to this field. Let's start off in the 10K range and above. We have six golfers this week. We have Tommy Fleetwood all the way up to Mr. Kepka. Uh, who do you like this week in this range, Tambo? Public service announcement or disclaimer, but you know I'm going to talk strategy a little bit before we get into it just because – uh, a little bit different, obviously, with a non-cut event. And then something I really never do, but I've had good success with it at WGCs, Kenny. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm normally the guy that always advocates against don't just fade because of ownership. Like, I, you know, Ricky Fowler at the Waste Management Phoenix Open was 42% in high stakes. And you needed him. And, and you know he's good at that course. So why, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean he was like $9,200. Doesn't necessarily, you know just fade to fade. But in a field like this, and I'm going to let this dictate. So these are initial leans and thoughts at the top, at least there's six guys here and I am going to let ownership dictate it a little bit. And I'll give an example in a minute. But the reason is, is because it's not just a fade ownership to fade. It's because like I said, there's 46 of the world top 50 in a 64 man field where you can only really sort of kind of erase four or five guys at the bottom that are coming over where you're like, ah, they're probably not going to do anything and I'm not going to risk it and worry about them in my lineup pool pool or builds. So uh, I am going to see how the ownership shakes out. What I'll talk about at the top, and I'll give the first example, is JT. I think everyone loves JT. I love JT. Spoiler alert for the betting segment. I've got a bet on JT out of just pure FOMO and how good he's been playing lately, Uh, you know, with the irons. And it's just a putter that hasn't quite come around, but he still looked pretty good on Sunday at the Open. Totally different course here is another thing I'll bring up from the open, but and weather factors and all that. But the big thing for me isn't so much the you know the the time shift of the guys coming back over or any of that. Uh, like you said, at the end of the day, there's fatigue for all. In a rapidly changing world, people wonder more and more about where their food comes from and how it was grown. The farmers who grow America's corn understand how important this is and want to share the stories from our farms of how we are working to grow an incredible crop that can be an answer to sustainability questions and is grown by men and women who value the air, water, soil, and our natural resources just like you. To find out more about how corn farmers are working to feed and fuel a vibrant economy and healthy planet, visit ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future. 
Want to hear something amazing? Oh, and feel free to tell your friends too. So, Kohl's, they're having a huge sale on summer stuff. And if you live for sunny days like I do, you need to check it out. I got 40% off a new patio set, Food Network grilling essentials for 20% off, and 50% off those yard games my kids won't stop talking about. Best part? I got an extra $10 off and some Kohl's cash. It almost makes being cooped up all winter worth it. Almost. Select styles 10 off 25 offer valid May 27 through 31st. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. All of them or most of them. So what if a guy got back two days earlier than the next? It's really, I get it. It's 48 hours, but these guys are professionals. They're ready for this stuff. They're expecting it. You know, we've seen guys wake up early, get to a Monday queue, flip over to the event, go on to win it. Corey Connors in the same week, a little bit different, but just to show how adaptable these guys can be. Hell, Brandel Chambly got on a plane from Ireland and jumped over to play in the senior event this week. Uh, is what it is. Not saying he's going to do well, but it's just these guys are, are used to this type of stuff. It's, it's something that's bred and built into them. So uh, for me, I'll use Justin Thomas. I really like him, but he's also a little bit pricey at 10-7. We just saw him at 9,100 last week. If he's going to be 20 to 25% here, I got no problem jumping off to someone like Rom, who's underneath him. The guys I like are Rory and JT. The one I struggle with is DJ and Kepka. I will say this about Kepka to the FedEx Cup point we brought up earlier to, and to link that back up here. A, it's a lot of money. It's $1.845 million. B, it's a WGC. This is not what I would call a regular tour event where people say Kepka sucks. And I always talk shit about Kepka, but it's not because I don't like the guy. I think Kepka's the man. He's a, a true boss out on the PGA Tour and at majors. He's the man. But 11.6 is expensive, and it still is here. But again, now we're factoring out things like the cut. It's a pure scoring event. It's a pure who wants it more event. We saw DJ, you know, win, what's he got? Six WGCs now. And won this one before. So uh, to me, it's it's Brooks wants to get WGCs like DJ has and hold that big trophy. And also the staggered event you talked about. So I'm leaning Brooks over DJ here, especially if late in the week it gets the narrative up of DJ going to be 15% on, going to get on him again. He really hasn't shown us much. He's been bad with scrambling. He's been bad with his irons uh, as of late. It hasn't been good with the putter. So he's missing more than just one component. He hasn't shown me anything. Brooks looked really good over the weekend still and really was just missing putts. I talked about the regression factor, but he's also five for five at this event with a second and a third. And you best believe he just took the lead from Kuchar. He's 37 points in the FedEx Cup race ahead of him. This would be even more ground to make up with 550 points up top, 1.845 million in that big ass trophy. And if Brooks with a two stroke lead, in the, in the finale with 30 guys at the end of the season, that's just scary to think about. That $10 million would be well, would feel very safe in his hands if he got a two-stroke lead going into that. So Rory JT, maybe off of JT due to the ownership. And I know it's a little more wishy-washy than normal guys, but look at the ownership, see where it's going to be at. This is a field where you got to leave money on the table, or you should, I think. Uh, you also want to be different in your lineups and your builds to be able to differentiate. Otherwise, you're just going to have the same lineup everybody else in a non-cut event. And you really got to have something different to, to take it out right on Sunday. Who do you like, Kenny? Yeah, I do like Rory up top. And this is definitely a narrative when it comes to Rory. But, like, you know, you, you look at what he did last week. Um, you saw what he how he was on, on Friday after he had that amazing 65 to try and make it back. Uh, to try and make the cut. I mean, he was almost in tears doing that interview afterwards. And the main thing he said is he, he hasn't been in this type in his homeland. He hasn't played that many big time events when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, Northern Ireland, the UK. He forgot. He said that, you know, he, didn't, he, for, he forgot how much people loved him there. 
you know, and how much he means to people uh, in that part of the world. And I think that's why he got all teary eyed. And you got to think that with that type of motivation, you know, where you're feeling like you have everyone at your back, everyone, you know, being supportive of you, even though you missed the cut, you want to prove to these guys that and give them a reason why to keep on rooting for you. Um, it's definitely a narrative, but I think that plus is 65 on, on, on Friday gives him the momentum to come here and take this tournament down. I think he should be the favorite. I do like Rory. He is my favorite to win. Um, now I do like Justin Thomas as well, just like you. And, and there's not really too much to say about that to add on, except for the fact that he is first in the field in DraftKings points on par 70 courses in the last 50 rounds. So the guy does does well uh, on these uh, par, par, par 70 courses. He's first in this field. And Kepka is number three in this field on par 70 courses uh, in the last 50 rounds. So I do like I think I'm going to play Kepka as well because what it comes down to is it's all about it was this putter that failed him on Saturday especially and then Sunday the weather got into him and stuff and he had to play with JB Holmes who you know shot 87 and took 8 million hours to play uh, each shot. I think what Kepka said about JB was correct. I mean it's not like he's playing it's not like the actual motion of him getting ready is slow. It's him not being prepared for his shot beforehand is what makes it slow. Not having the glove on, not knowing which club to hit, stuff like that. And that's something that I liked what Kepka said about that because it makes a whole bunch of sense. Get ready to play your shot. And then, you know, if it takes you a minute to get everything lined up, fine. But if, it ta- if you take a minute to get ready and then take a minute to line up, that's just too much time. Uh, but those are the three I like. I think Rory's going to take it down. So Rory, JT, Kepka in this range. And I will go to this 9K range. Um, I'm going to go Xander, of course, uh, in, in this. And in, in it's a no-cut event. So let's look at uh, Xander's record in his last few no-cut events. Uh, 14th in Mexico. First at the Tournament of Champions. First at the WGC HSBC. Seventh at the Tour Championship last year. Third at the BMW last year. Uh, 68th at Bridgestone, but we're not playing there anymore. Uh, you even go back a little bit farther. Uh, what's he? 18th at Mexico. Uh, and then he had, what, the third at the CIMB, uh, the first at the Tour Championship a couple years ago. This guy just kills no-cut events with stacked fields, uh, even though he sort of came up short and had that whole controversy uh, coming into the weekend about the uh, driver. He won't have to worry about that this week because the PGA Tour, I'm, I'm from what I hear, they just let them play like what they play. Uh, I think the RNA is a little bit more strict about that. Uh, or if they do test, they're not going to make it public or anything like that, like the RNA did, uh, supposedly. So I, I like Xander. He's got to be angry because of what happened to him this past week. So I like Xander a lot. And I'm going to play Patrick Cantley at $9,800 as well. Iron game is solid. Uh, really good from the proximity ranges. He's probably the best in the field from those two proximity ranges that uh, me and Tambo were talking about. He's third in proximity from 150 to 175 yards in the last 50 rounds. First from proximity from 175 to 200 yards in the last 50 rounds. So I do like Cantlay and Xander in this field. I'll probably play a little bit of Kuchar as well. Who do you like? Yeah, well, one more point on Rory. I like your point there that you brought up about him. And and the other thing was I saw Justin Ray post today on Twitter that after Rory's last four missed cuts, he's got two wins, a second, and a twelfth. Uh, and you best believe he wants to win a WGC as well. He's been crushing it, Tita Green, amongst many other things in the last three months or so here. So uh, I do like your Rory call there. 
Only have, uh, you know, it's T2POs this week. Same thing, non-cut event. Didn't want to bring up a bunch of them. But the first one was, and I know we didn't talk about him. I don't know how popular he'll get, but I didn't like Tommy at 9,700. He seemed completely dejected after the round and for for good reason. But like you say, it's nerves and whatnot. I, I certainly cannot play him at 10.2. Uh, people want to go back to him there. No cut event or not. I got Cantlay all day uh, as my first one. So Cantlay over Fleetwood. Cantlay pops for me incredibly in every category in his last 24 rounds, which I've also broke down to the last 24 months. Uh, and he's like fifth in DK, fourth in DK points, fifth in birdie or better. T- he's top 10 in every stat that I possibly named that I like for the week. His worst is 10th in putting. So that tells you everything you need to know about Cantlay. I like what you said about Xander. Uh, as far as the you know, non-cut event, WGC, anything strong field, don't mind him at all, especially at 9,300. As far as the controversy goes, like I didn't get that. Like I, I get it. They test it and whatever, but like people get tested for steroids. They don't test every single player every, after every single game for steroids. It's just part of the thing. So every, you know, some people got tested. He joked about somebody calling him a cheater, but it turned out it was like one of his boys. Like, I'll do that with my buddies. It's off Jersey Shore. Like if they go to the restaurant and they're talking to the waitress, just order no drink. I'm like, oh, he's cheating. He's cheating. And just, just mess around with Well, them. the thing <laughs> is, it's, it's still bo- – he said it still bothered him. Sure. He said it still bothered him. Yeah. Even though it was one of his friends. That's soft. You know, in a, crowd of, in a crowd of – in a, I, I don't know, man. You got to save your reps sometimes. You know what I'm saying? You're in a oh, crowd he's not, But he's not a cheater. These guys know him. Like it's, it's Xander Shoffley. This isn't like a – I don't know. Whatever. He can do whatever he wants. He's a he's human. Everyone can feel the way. I don't want no one bullying anyone. I'm certainly not for that. I'm just saying it, it, the way the article read to me and to others that I saw on Twitter seemed quite a bit more like, you know, it, it kind of bothered him because, but it was someone that was that he was respected and he thought had a good mutual respect with him. So have a conversation, whatever. I don't think it's that serious for me. Still like him this week. All I give a shit is if he puts a points three on my DK roster. So uh, I'm, going with, I'm going with Xander for sure. And then to your point, I like Kucher at 9,000. Uh, I think it was, um, ah, I want to say Dave Tyndall, one of the articles I read earlier today, or Steve Rawlings, two really good followers on Twitter. But the, the article said basically that um, Mayakoba was like a solid fit with a lot of previous winners here at St. Jude. And then the other courses that lined up were, were the other ones. So, it, you know, the other Mexico course and Kucher actually won at both of them, obviously. Uh, and then also has done well here. So if you look at Kucher at 9,000, he's a pretty solid price as well. I don't mind him at all uh, to finish out the 9K range. Yeah, Kucher's also third in strokes gained putting in the last 50 rounds on Bermuda grass green. So he does putt well on the, this type of grass. So he's definitely someone to play. I mean, those you can start lineups with Xander and Kucher and go uber balance. And if I was playing cash, uh, that's probably the route that I would go um, with Xander and Kucher as my first two. All right, so uh, let's move on to this 8K range. I'm, I'll go ahead and get us started. I do like all three of the top guys that missed the cut. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama, Bryson DeChambeau, and Adam Scott. Now, Adam Scott depends strictly on the long putter. Uh, I, that shit pissed me off so bad last week, not yeah. knowing that he was what, that he changed his short putter. But he said in, in interviews that he changes his short putter uh, on windier conditions. I don't think it's going to be that windy. The long putter should make it back to his bag this week. Hopefully, keep an eye on that shit. Okay, first off, uh, so I do like Adam Scott because before- and Lucas, please, I know that we're dialed in as anybody, but if you see it. Tweet Kenny and I and let us know on Twitter that, by the way, saw this. Take a damn picture of it if you have to. I want to know for sure because he's in my eyes as well. Yeah. So, I mean, both all three of these guys, 
great tee to green type games. Bryson's been playing a lot better outside of last week's uh, miscut, cut, which sucked because he was like my highest zone. So I tried to go against the grain a little bit last week when it came to GPPs and I had 48% Bryson. So that sort of hurt me, even though I still did pretty well for the week. Um, but, you know, all these guys, Bryson, top five in proximity from 175 to 200 yards, top 10 in strokes gained tee to green here in the last 50 rounds, top 10 in birdie or better gained. All three of these guys are top 10 in birdie or better gained. Decky's actually first in opportunities gained. So if that putter can somehow get going uh, this week, and he's been a little bit better this year, not great, but a little bit better uh, this year. Maybe he can do something, but he's one of the best tee to green out there. So these three up top, I don't know how it's going to go about with ownership with all three missing the cut and especially Adam Scott and Hideki being so highly owned last week and hurting people so much. Um, I think that sort of type of narrative has sort of gone by the wayside with more and more people playing golf DFS and knowing what they're doing, but it still could create a little bit less, um, ownership than what they should have gotten this week, but it might not because I, I see that things have gotten away from that, especially with these top tier golfers, um, in, in these larger, in these, Good field tournaments. And then lastly, I'll probably play Fino, another birdie dude, uh, on a on a par, uh, on a course with no cut. I'll play Fino. He played well last week. Uh, so those are some of the guys that I like in his 8K range. Who do you like? Uh, second, and like I said, I only got two this week. But uh, I, I do like Scott for the reason you mentioned. But if you look at uh, Bryson, it looks and sounds, again, back to this ownership thing, like he'll be the 20% guy. Uh, regardless of burning people, they'll just, like you said, the sort of the – you know, people are leveling themselves a little bit and saying like, oh, I think everyone's going to go off him, so I'm going to go back on him. But then everyone does that, and therefore they still end up as chalk. And it seems like that's Bryson. A lot of people uh, are betting him already and so on and so forth. I really like Hideki. So my second one would be Hideki over Bryson. Um, you talked about it a little bit, but I, I looked really dialed in. No real restrictions on pool, like uh, or sorry, on settings. But what I looked at was the last 24 rounds within the last three months, making sure I'm getting recent rounds as well. And Hideki's first in birdies are better gained, third in DK points, third from the 150 to 175 range, fifth in T to green overall, first in opportunities gained, as you mentioned. And surprisingly, the craziest one is he's actually 16th in putting in his last 24 rounds in the last three months. Uh, we know what he's done here before at the Bridgestone in the past. Uh, I think it was a, what was it, like a 61 on Sunday or something to win it. Um, so, he can get hot. It's not the same course at all. I'm just saying in, in general at WGC, stronger fields, 8,900. If he's 11K, can't play him. Like the fact that he burned some people, including myself, as much as that sucked. 8,900, I'll still play him. Um, who else? Finau, you mentioned, birdie maker. I'll go back to Jason Day. I don't know what the hell happened. He burned me huge. Uh, and some others that I know, like the guy literally went 30 holes with one bogey. He was bogey-free through 12 on day two. And then he goes five bogeys in a row or four in a double or something like that to miss the cut. Uh, just sick. Well, while Rory's out there just ripping the place up, trying to get there, Jason Day's just falling apart. Uh, it was just a double whammy. It was the opposite effect. And I had both of them quite a bit. So I'll go back to him. Uh, and then even some more plays in here, guys. And I don't, this is why, again, I don't hate, you know, fading a lot of this top range. And even if I do play, you know, the Brooks and the Rory's of the world, I'll probably go underweight. Because I still like a lot more of these guys again. Just like last week, the balanced approach worked out pretty good. Um, Webb Simpson, 
uh, severely still, in my opinion, severely underpriced. He, he only went up from 7,600 to 8,200. Somehow last week, people wanted to get more RCB than they did Webb Simpson. I, I'm not hating on the play. I was part of that crew that was on him. It was just very surprising when all week, again, another thing in DFS that's going on right now, everyone suspects Webb to be the chalk, like light years ahead of RCB and thought RCB was a good pivot, myself included. And we all flip over there. And I still had like 25% of Webb and 20% RCB. And it ended up being like Webb was like 13% owned or something silly. And everyone had jumped on board at RCB was like 23%. So uh, not sure who that you know play is going to be this week just yet, but still like Webb lines up in all the categories. We've talked about him being a better putter, great scrambler, DK, birdies are better, Tita Green, he's got it all, Casey, Woodland, that pretty much wraps it up. What uh, Really one question for you, Kenny. Who would you play if you could only pick one between Hatton and Reed? And I know you don't have to pick, but who Reed. would you pick? Reed, Reed, stick with it. Reed, because I I forgot to mention Reed's probably my favorite. Okay, here we go in the eight K range. Uh, um, now here's the reasoning why Reed is. I forgot that he was eight K. I thought he was seventy nine hundred. Um, Reed's probably my favorite play in the eight K range because we're coming down to the end of the season. The last four events that are the last five events he can actually accrue points for the President's Cup. Uh, looking at it, I think he's somewhere in the top 15. Uh, he's, in, he's in the outside looking in for an automatic bid. And after what happened last year, I said this before, but after what happened last year, it's going to be very, very hard for Tiger to pick him as a captain's choice, uh, especially for Tiger's first time being uh, a captain of one of these international-type teams. He doesn't want to make it a fiasco. He doesn't want to make it uh, – he doesn't want to lose, first off, because they haven't lost a uh, President's Cup ever. Uh, I think they tied one once when Tiger and Ernie uh, had that little battle uh, in the darkness uh, probably 10, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, but, you know, he's supremely motivated uh, right now to do well in these final events. A win in one of these events coming up at the end of the season will probably put him in the in the top eight or top ten or whatever the ranking goes for the President's Cup. So this is a huge stretch for Patrick Reed. I expect him to play almost every event for the rest of the year. You know, maybe he'll skip next week. I don't know. But I think he'll play every event for the rest of the year, and I think he's going to be supremely motivated, and I think he's going to get one by the end of the year because that's just, just the type of golfer Reed is. Um, you know, when he has that chip on his shoulder, um, you know, and people are rooting against him, I think it tends to give him a little bit more fire. Uh, so people don't want him on that team right. <laughs> would be my guess. And I think he knows that. And, and to, to, to put it on these people, uh, you know, to, to make the team, I think that would make Patrick Reed happier than, you know, uh, almost anything. And you look at his form recently. I mean, it's been pretty good the last three events, fifth of the Rock and Mortgage, 23rd at the 3M Open, and then uh, 10th at the Open Championship. You look at his uh, strokes gain approach, numbers in these three events 6.3 strokes game uh, at the rocket mortgage 6.1 strokes game at the 3m open 2.5 strokes game at the open championship all these are from fantasynational.com if you're not a member you need to go check that out he's gained like 7.1 strokes uh uh tita green he went 8.7 strokes gain last week 7.7 strokes gained the week before 7.6 strokes gained the week before that the guy's been doing a lot better t to green it's not all been putting and chipping for him but it should help with his short game because these greens are small are small and they're hard to hit so chipping is going to be a factor uh i love reed he's going to be one of my favorite plays 
Uh, I actually have him as a bet this week as well. I'll probably bet him in every event coming up uh, for the rest of the season because this is the big time for Patrick. He needs to do well. He wants to make this President's Cup team. All right, Tambo, go ahead and take us into the 7K range unless you got something to add about Reed. No, I think you literally said everything that can possibly be said. I, I was wondering just who you like between the two, and you love Reed, so that's amazing. I think uh, you nailed it with that, and, and I wasn't even thinking of all those factors. So I was going to say Reed as well, just based on the recent form and, and how he still showed up, even at the Open, even in the weather, so on and so forth. Uh, just been killing it lately. So hopefully people forget about that and don't go back to him. But uh, 8000 bucks for Reed is solid. Going below that, I'm not sure what people are going to do with RCB this week, but I still like Ches Reeve. Um, again, we'll see how popular he gets, but as far as stats go, the guy is just lights out across the board. He does have 24 recent rounds in the last three months, and he ranks pretty much top 15 in everything. Uh, some highlights, third in scrambling, third in par four scoring, eighth tee to green, second with that 150 to 175 range, and 15th in birdies are better gained uh, to round it out. So, I mean, really solid there. RCB, I don't know if he's going to, like, this is one where he, it's the play where I think people are going to say, like, oh, i got to go back to him because no one's going to be on him, so we'll go back to him because it's a no-cut event now and he was making birdies on day one. But, I mean, different course. Weather was nicer that day. Don't know. Not really showing me a lot beyond that. Don't hate it, but I, I do like Reavy. And I like Putnam, um, actually. 7800 bucks for Putnam. He's popping in all those same stats I just talked about. I'm not going to list them. But something interesting about Putnam, just a weird fact, narrative-based, whatever, he won the Barracuda last year which is different. It's Stableford scoring. It's totally different. But anyways, it's funny that it's at a different time last year, but it happens to be this week, this year. So he won't be defending in that because he's here at a WGC, which is obviously life-changing, much better. But last year, he also played the St. Jude when it was the regular PGA event tournament field and came second to DJ at minus 13, which was four strokes better than our slow-playing buddy that we talked about earlier, J.D. Holmes, who finished at minus nine. So he lines up with stats he lines up with sort of recent form, recent history, recent timeline narrative, but just at this course, yeah, second last year at 7,800 bucks, uh, really solid across the board with that. So I like him at 7,800. Not sure if a lot of people will play him. Uh, going down, we'll just do 7,500 and up. The other ones I like are just do them all. Uh, Hor- it's, a, it's a small range. Just do them all. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. I, I like Horschel and Wolf. Another one where if Horschel is going to be as much chalk as it sounds like, I do like him, but I'll easily just play Wolf there. Wolf is crushing him. In opportunities gained, Wolf has upside. Uh, you know, Horschel, the people talk about him as a, a grinder, not a scorer. I don't think that. I think he can still get it done here. I think some, you know, bouncing back on Bermuda plays well at the Honda, the players, those sort of courses that line up, uh, you know, similar. Uh, I can definitely play both of them. I'm just saying if Horschel is going to get extremely popular, I got no problem going to something like a Wolf underneath him. And even a Brant Snedeker, who's right there, is another solid play. Other than that, the only other one I really like here at 7,000 is Furyk. Another guy, I think the opposite, where they're, they're going to say he's a grinder, not a scorer. But we talked about how much we like Rory up top. We talked about TPC Sawgrass with water. Where did Furyk show up this year in another super strong field? The players, you know, the fifth major, quote unquote, where he got, uh, I think, to minus 14 and Rory had to beat him at minus 15. Uh, I mean, Furyk can, can still get it done, still pops for me. Before you go through the whole range, Kenny, for yourself, one quick take. What's your take on Phil Mickelson at 7,300? And the reason I ask is because for those that don't know, as shitty as he's been all season and especially lately, he has some phenomenal course history at the St. Jude course uh, at TBC Southwinds with seven out of eight cuts made, 
12th, 9th, 2nd, 3rd, and 11th are his last five results here. Can you play him in a non-cut event at $7,300? I think Phil needs to play well here in this leading up because, again, he's another guy just like Greed that loves these international competitions, and he's on the outside looking in right now. He's 14th in the President's Cup standings. Um, It's possible that he doesn't make the team. Uh, it might not be a captain's choice. I mean, you, you see the way that this game has been changing with the younger generation coming in. And it looks like if you go old, you lose in these international competitions. So, again, Phil has to play well in this upcoming uh, month, month and a half left of golf for Tiger to think about him using him as a captain's choice pick or even making the top 10 or top eight, whatever the rankings are uh, that make it. So he has to do well. And this is the course that he can do it. I'll throw flyers out on Phil Mickelson this week in GPPs, uh, just because, again, his course history here is great. Um, him and Horschel probably have – him, Horschel, and DJ probably have the three best course histories here. Uh, and I'd rather – you know, DJ's not playing that well. Phil's not playing that well, but he's $3,000 less. Right. Uh, or maybe $4,000 And, that, and this less. could snap so him out of huge, it, right? This could be a spot where you, yeah. you have that history and you see that work with guys where they get back to somewhere they're comfortable and they know they've had good results. There's less pressure and they know they got to get a job done and then, boom, they go out and get it done. So interesting point you brought up, and I think that's a good take. Yeah, I do like Reevy, just like you said. Uh, he's actually better than Cantlay in proximity from 150 to 175, 175 to 200. He is the best in the field. Reevy is. He's first in 150 to 175 in the last 50 rounds, second from 175 to 200 last 50 rounds. So a lot of uh, you know approaches from that range could be helpful. Putnam's actually top six in uh, putting on Bermuda Greens, strokes game putting uh, on Bermuda Greens in the last 50 rounds in this field. I do like Putnam. I also like Matthew Fitzpatrick, second in the field in strokes game putting in the last 50 rounds. Uh, and, you know, he's been having a pretty decent form uh, here. And that's strokes game putting on Bermuda uh, by Fitzpatrick. So I sort of like him as well. Uh, I like Horse of the Course Horse, and I like Furyk. Uh So basically the same dudes that you're on. Uh, so let's move on to this final range. There's not too many that I am the biggest fan of uh, this week, but I'll play a couple. Uh, Keith Mitchell, we're back on Bermuda, uh, good with long par fours. He's seventh in the field in proximity, uh, par four efficiency from 450 to 500 yards. You're looking at eight par fours in that range uh, this week. So I like him a little bit. I like Nate Lashley a little bit. His iron game has been trending upwards. Again, top five in par four efficiency from 450 to 500 yards in this field. And Corey Connors, uh, really good proximity uh, stats from 150 to 200 yards. Great off the tee, hitting a ton of greens. Fifth in opportunities gained in the last 50 rounds in this field. So those are three of the guys that I like in the 6K range. Who do you like? Got to go back to Keegan. Um, always play him. And at 6,900, I don't think it's such a bad idea in a non-cut event. He can go, uh, you know, he can go full Keegan and still gets to play the weekend and, and bounce back. And he scores, right? So uh, hasn't been scoring as much lately, which is a bit interesting to me. So, I'll, you know, I'll see how the pool breaks out. I'll see what he looks like as far as ownership's concerned. But don't mind him at 6,900, to be honest. Another flyer is Hao Tong Lee. Uh, really solid in the proximity range, the 150 to 175. Decent birdies are better. He's sort of like top 25-ish in all the stats that I'm looking at. And at 6,600, he'd be a good GPP flyer. Um, another guy you mentioned, so was Nate Lashley. I think Keith Mitchell is the guy that ends up getting too popular for me as much as I love him, and I'll talk about him in a, in a second here. Um, the one for me down here is right in between Connors and Mitchell, and it's Max Homa. 
Uh, really, I, I don't know if it's going to be sneaky, but I, I kind of like him. If I had to say another sort of pivot over Mitchell, it would probably be Homa. Uh, in his last eight events, he's gained strokes T to green in all eight of them. He's gained strokes on approach in seven of eight. He definitely puts better on Bermuda. He won at Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow, which is Bermuda. And I think he'd be a really good pivot off of Mitchell. So I don't mind him at 6,400 as well. And that, and that really sort of wraps it up. Like I said, there's not a lot of guys down here. Much like last week in the Open, I'm not going to just try and pick some crazy flyers and see what happens with an Imahara or something like that. If, they, if Rye comes over and these guys beat me, then so be it. Uh, unless I see something or hear something else on them, I'm probably not going to get them into my pool. And I'm just going to go with the guys. What, one guy, actually, sorry, Ken, I did want to ask you about right quick, was Justin Harding. Um, made quite a few birdies, scored quite well at the Open. What's your take on him coming over here at 6,600? you like him or how Tong Lee? I mean, the guy's sort of a winner. I think he's had like three or four wins across the world the last, you know, 12, 16 months. The guy was up there a little bit uh, going into the, the weekend at the Open Championship. I don't hate the play. Uh, I don't mind Justin Harding at all. Yeah, I'll see what happens with him. I, I think, yeah, it's definitely interesting. You know, another good showing at a major. He made three out of the four cuts at the majors this season, including a 12th at the Masters. So interesting play down there. Not sure if I can get there. I really like your Lashley call. I think he'll go overlooked. And I think people just want to auto-click Keith on Bermuda. But at the end of the day, in his last three months, he hasn't really done anything overall as a whole. And he has played 24 rounds in the last three months. And he ranks 50th out of 64 in my model with really poor stats across the board. Whether this Bermuda helps him show up from in an all-around game standpoint is to be determined. But if he's going to be 15 to 20% or something like that, I'll easily shy away. All right, so let's move on to the betting segment sponsored by DallasGolf.com. Shop at Dallas Golf for all the latest 2019 clubs like the TaylorMade M5 Driver, Callaway Apex 19 Irons, or the Odyssey Stroke Lab Putters. Use promo code DGEN10 to save 10% off your next purchase, no minimum. Dallas Golf sells everything you need from tee to green, including clubs, golf balls, golf bags, and range finders. They have this really nice range finder for budget golfers, only 130 bucks that, you know, for people that don't want to spend an arm and a leg on those. And you get 10% off using promo code DGEN10. They also do have this crazy online shaft fitting tool, which is amazing because you plug in all your golf information, your club head swing, your handicap, you know, all these different things, how, how far you hit your irons, and it spits out the perfect shaft for your game. Really, really cool tool. You need to check out DallasGolf.com. Uh, they also have this cool thing where you can go on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Use pro, use hashtag DG Golf Trip and post your favorite golf video or golf picks. And and the, and they'll they'll look through that hashtag and pick out a winner of the best video or best pick of a golf outing. And they will set they will send you. You can win a new set of the upcoming Titleist irons this fall. So check out DallasGolf.com for all your golfing needs using promo code DGEN10. Tambo, what are your bets this week? Just got three, Kenny. Um, I talked about it a little bit earlier. JT, 16-1. to 1. More of a FOMO that if I, I want to get off, get off him in DFS, I still want to have him in case because I do think he's close. Uh, I just think that range is so packed that and it's a no-cut event. So, uh, like I said before, they're all good golfers. Anything can happen. If he's going to be super owned and someone like Rory or Rom is going to be under-owned, I'm happy to move off. So JT 16 to 1. I got Decky at 33 to 1. Uh, and then my other sort of FOMO DFS, you know, hedge is Mitchell back on Bermuda. And I missed him at the Honda, but at 175 to 1 with an each way top five, 
in a 64-man field. I don't think it's going to happen, but if it did, I'd still like to be there at 175 to 1. So got those three in. What do you got this week? I got Rory at 10 to 1. I'm starting off with one of the favorites. I think he has a really good chance to win. I think the motivation factor is there. Uh, I think his game suits this course. I think he finished, I think he was in the lead after 54 or 36 holes the last time he played here. Uh, It's been, I don't know, seven, eight years. It's been a while. Uh, Not not to cut you off, but it is a crazy story. He was leading after 36. And then on, uh, I think it was 18 or something, he just pounded it out of bounds, ended up doubling and coming in seventh place. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah. It was, it was something. It was, it was really bad. Everyone said he just blew it on 18 uh, and then ended up losing and coming in seventh place. So Rory, 10 to 1. JT, 16 to 1, just like you. Or 14 to 1, sorry. Uh, then I got uh, Patrick Reed at 40 to 1 and um, Billy Horschel at 66 to 1. So those are going to be my four plays. Do you have a one and done pick? I'm not giving mine out anymore. Yeah, I'm just talking because I'm way behind you. I'm at uh, 4.2 million. So just if anyone's not following along or if that, you know, if you are, you know, strategizing for yourself from that range, and that's what I mean by not really into it. I kind of wasn't into it, but I had Molinari last week with a crazy Sunday for me to give me a little bit of hope because these are big money events coming up. So I was going to go Xander, but then I realized he's going to be pretty chalky, quote unquote. So I- I'm going with Webb. I don't think as many people will be on web. I needed to go like someone that's going to be super low picked and low owned, you know, in that scenario. And then at the end of the day, uh, have a chance in my mind still. And that's web for me. Try and get 1.8 million when everyone misses and then go from there. There is some big, big prize pools coming up. So it's certainly not over. You know, Kenny's in there. Let's hope he takes it down. But for me, it's going to be web this week. Totally understand and respect why you're keeping it to yourself. Kenny, we really are rooting for you, buddy. Hoping that you can take it down. I think you're sitting, what, 45th right now? Yeah, I lost Great. 10 spots because of those two bogeys from Stenson last week. It's because you faded my Molinari pick, man. You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Even though know, last, right? time was a, last time it was a miscut with Bryson or whatever. It's all good, man. Um, good luck in that, and I, and I hope you do well, man. Seriously, it's going to be awesome if you can win that 20K up top. That would be huge. Tambo, tell them where they can find you. For sure. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Totag and Tambo, if you want to see some hilarious videos of me on the Mayo Pod messing everything up at my first ever event there. And uh, other than that, man, go over to Gup's Corner. You talked about already, promo code DGEN10. The best thing to do right now would be to get an annual pass because, like you said, it would literally wrap you around the way they do the new schedules. As much as some don't like it with golf, it makes perfect sense to tie into football so you'll get the entire NFL season 365 days from now, we'll wrap right through through to the same event here next year, through all the majors. Definitely the place to be. We're going to do the Emergency 9 show on Wednesday with Gup and Bucks. I was on the Smash Factor this week, if you guys check that out as well. Other than that, man, good luck to everyone. Let's have a good WGC event. You can find me on Twitter at KendoVT, and you can find my article on PowerHourPod.com, which is actually coming to a close. I'll be a free agent here uh, coming up this next season. So my last few articles for PowerHourPod.com. All right, guys, let's have a good week and let's win some motherfucking money. DGen Nation. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. 
the been thinking about McDonald's all day can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.